Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the First Word Podcast. My name is Alex, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike. And uh, today we're recording an episode discussing the Academy Awards, um, as they just occurred last night, or for those listening, this past weekend, most likely when you're downloading it. And our guest today is a, a, a Oscar pundit who's been doing this for a long time. He runs a site called Awards Circuit. His name is Clayton Davis. Uh, welcome to the show, Clayton. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually so I mean to just get right into it. One of the reasons I wanted to to bring you on, as opposed to uh, uh, many other guests who are general film critics, is your awards focus, obviously. And um, one of the things I want to to ask you is, like, first off, how many years have you been doing this? Uh, Word Circuit just finished its tenth year. We're going into year eleven now. Yeah, I, so you've been yeah. around a long time, and I know um, we've also spoken to Sasha Stone previously, who's been doing this for I think twenty years now. Yeah, and and both. Both of you, and in the general idea, it seems to be that this is one of the craziest award seasons we've ever had, not only because of the controversies and the discussions, but also just because of like the complete unpredictability of it and the the idea that like no one had any idea what was going to win because normally you pull statistics and you look at the general consensus between critics and, and what's going on. But this year it just seems to have been everywhere until the last few weeks when like the, the producers guild awards and things came together is that your perspective on on what has happened this year yeah actually it is um it's funny that you call me an oscar pundit i'm actually gonna say i'm a former oscar pundit i had my single worst prediction year in my <laughs> career no, because I, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna leave was, just because of that was, Come on. oh my I, listen and i and actually preface that like very like midway through the season i was like guys it's coming the worst year ever for my predicting because an evolving academy has happened. The academy has changed, and it's a dueling force of two different voting blocks now. There's a young, you know, inclusive, the the you know, loving all types of film academy, and then there's still the old guys that you know want things their way. And you see that in the winners, you see the split of different voices, and you see everything that the guilds did leading up to the ceremony. And I did a big article right before the Oscars that talked about no matter what won, stats were being thrown out the window this year. It didn't matter anymore. So yeah. it's like, it, it, I, I don't say stats don't matter anymore. They're still important in the sense that you should look for them for guidance, but you cannot hold on to anything firm any longer for quite some time because now we we just need to just see what the academy does and i mean that, that's all i can say it, it, it was a rough night if you were if you were a predictor or if you're <laughs> yeah. sasha stone you had your best year ever she got 22 out of 24 which is bananas but i don't know if that's because she's winging it in a sense of like going with the picks that you wouldn't expect like, I mean, Bo no. Bohemian, you know, like Bohemian Rhapsody winning stuff, like no one wanted it, but you could say like, well, maybe it will win if you have a, a sense of the way the, the guilds are going, right? Sure. Yeah. So something like Bohemian, like I predicted everything Bohemian Rhapsody won. I said it was going to be the new traffic and it won four out of its five okay. awards and it would lose best picture. So stuff like that you can see. And I think there was nothing overt like out of the box oh my god that happened winner even with olivia coleman winning best actress over glenn close because she was a clear number two right for exactly, weeks yeah. so in in that sense like you can you could have stayed traditionally safe and i think you can talk to people and get a sense of it that you know black panther was gonna maybe win some or you you were like me and you were like it could win some but it could also win none 
Yes. So it, yeah. it was. I think everything was with just literally within votes of each other. Yeah, and that's that's the other sense I got this year. It's like everyone had it in their own camp believed very seriously that there was a chance. Like there was this growing movement that Black Panther was going to end up winning everything. And then when it at least got nominated for Best Picture, that like made me raise my eyebrow and go like, oh, okay, like something something's going on here where it actually has traction. And then you speak to the Roma camp and Roma's like, oh, Roma is going to win everything. It's going to win Best Picture. And it didn't end up winning quite a bit, but it's like everyone's own you know, feelings overweight, it seemed to be the actual focus of what would happen with the Academy and with the, with the members voting. But I, I still, I still don't know. I guess one of my other questions for you as a, as your job is this idea of like, how, how do you quote unquote predict now? What is the system? Or is it more of a, like a getting a sense of individual people, less the guilds or how does it change from now on? Um, so I'll say, I'll say this. I think when I was speaking to, cause I speak to voters, uh, uh, pretty frequent throughout the, throughout the season this year, they seem to not have helped me at all because <laughs> in that <laughs> sense, because they, they kind of steered me wrong, but I'll, I'll say that I think now it's, it's, you just have to kind of get the temperature also, wait, I, let me date back. I think you need to go to the feeling you have maybe three weeks out from the Oscars and whatever you think is winning there, just stick with that because where I was three weeks ago, if I stayed with that, I would have been, I think 19 for 24, which would have been fine. I would have have had an on par season, but because WGA, PGA, all these things are like throwing wrenches into like the works and had no, and BAFTA and, and all this stuff started happening then you were just like, okay, I guess something crazy is about to happen. So I guess I'll just go crazy with my predictions too. Like I, I'm the only pundit out there that predicted the favorite to win Best Picture because at that point it was like, why not? Because we <laughs> just didn't know what was going to happen. And I wanted it, that to happen. I really wanted I, that to I, happen. I, listen, and 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 when it comes to the Roma camp, and and I said this when we got into 2019, if Roma won Best Picture, it was. And I'm not sure if your listeners know how Best Picture is voted on with a preferential ballot. They rank their uh, the Best Picture nominees from one one to there are eight nominees, but you but you list them from one to five on your ballot. And you for you to win Best Picture, you have to w- win fifty percent plus one to be declared a Best Picture winner. Mm-hmm. So. I said if Roma won, it it won on the first round, meaning it would have the 50% plus one, and then it would be done. But if it had to go to a second, third, or fourth round, that's where I knew it loses. Because there's a Netflix bias, there are people who don't watch foreign films, and it would be over. So that's why movies like Green Book, The Favorite, even maybe Black Klansman a bit, did better on that sense and were more threats to Roma in the end. And in the end, Roma got pushed out. If this was just a one and done deal like BAFTA was, Roma would be your best picture winner today. I'm convinced. Yeah. This, the other thing when you, now that you say this to me is it makes me feel a little bit sad and I almost want to have a discussion about this, but I almost don't, but it makes me feel a little bit sad about the idea that it's, it doesn't feel as much about quality anymore as it does about the politics. And I know that as an Oscar uh, pundit or, or or writer for so many years, you know that this has always been the case, and we kind of generally know that. Like, you have to campaign, or you're not going to win. You have to do these things, but it just feels like this year was also a really major indicator of like it doesn't 
purely matter on quality anymore. The awards aren't really based on that merit alone. And that aside from all the, the decisions the Academy made that were pretty dumb about the show, which they then backtracked on, it just seemed like there was a, a bigger feeling. This, like if Bohemian Rhapsody would have won Best Picture, which for a while I was worried it would, we would have all lost our shit, not because it, it it's just not truly the only Best Picture, but just because it's such a like low-quality film and it would have won on on a weird political way, you know? Does, yeah. does that make sense? I mean, no, yeah. I, I, and listen, I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, so I you have to take <laughs> the good with the bad, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the, the Academy is changing, right? And while Green Book, and, and this is, and I'll say this, and this is very controversial to say, I don't think Green Book is the Antichrist like everyone else thinks it I is. I agree. I right agree. Though. I agree. <laughs> you know, and I'm per- I am perfectly like whatever. Obviously, I thought there were a lot more better movies, and and yeah, I yeah, wish to God Roma would have won. But, but we are coming off two years in a row where the Best Picture winner was a woman having sex with a fish. <laughs> and a gay black kid growing up in Miami. So I can't get super angry at the Academy and say, you really messed it up this time because in the same night where green book is your best picture winner, you could be super bummed about that. We also had our very first African-American person, not even just woman, but person when production design, our first African-American uh, woman when costume design, uh, you know, the most diverse set of acting winners ever three people of color won acting awards in one night so there's so much to celebrate and i think when people are like you know the, you know the academy just sucks or whatever like you know it happens when a, a movie they don't want to win wins yeah. and then they forget about all the other great things that happened before like like alfonso guarong won best director for a foreign language film, never happened in history. He is now a two-time Academy Award winner. And I think out of the last six years, four of those years have been won by an Hispanic director in Best Director. And that's pretty baller. Yeah, and I... Well, the last thing I want to get off my chest before we go into individual discussions is this idea that, like, every year, again, as as not, not someone whose whole job is focused on awards, but every year I watch a lot of people, like write off the awards in general as like, oh, they're just awards, it doesn't matter, the great films will still be recognized and seen, and it's it's less about awards as it is this. But then the award season comes around, and everyone takes it so extremely personally. <laughs> and this year, this year is like the worst of it, where it's like people who never cared before are all of a sudden like up in arms, you know, oh, I dare this gets nominated. And it's it's like, yeah, okay, there's some crappy stuff getting nominated, but it's like, what why what happened this award season that made us so angry is it just the social atmosphere right now and like the way that we do feel like we need to speak up about something i, I don't know that was also something you really are talking about film twitter and film twitter is a terrible creature <laughs> yeah. that's been created by the devil himself and listen and and this isn't this year i mean i think people may have noticed it this year but i for every person or people that are coming out for green book or, or Bohemian Rhapsody that's obnoxious about it, you know, or really angry about it. It's like the same crowd that, like, wouldn't shut up about Timothy Chalamet winning Best Actor 
last year and how like if he didn't win it was like a, a crime against humanity and then the la la land versus moonlight crowd which was like world war three level of yeah. film, like <laughs> like it, it's just it, it's just way people people get super passionate that's just how the internet is and social media and if you're what, what is the most frustrating thing and as someone who's a part of critics groups and i i, I pride myself on 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 being a part of them and I also am one that believes that every movie should win a ton of awards because it should be really hard to win an award. Um, I think that a film like Green Book, if it goes off into obscurity, like Driving Miss Daisy has, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And then decades and decades later, we're just we just continuously talk about Roma. It's sometimes it's about what didn't win. And that does better for history. Not every single thing or every single person needs to win an Academy award. Like Glenn close will probably be, be more revered forever because she's now a seven time loser. And now people are going to be like, so she's been nominated seven times. Maybe I should go back and watch dangerous liaisons and see what that movie's (laughs) all about, you know, and see why she's such a big deal and why she's a perfect human, like things like that. This this is all good points, and that's it's yeah. kind of one of the things why I wanted to talk about it. It's like it's also weird because I I sit on film Twitter all day, and we all shoot these text messages to each other basically all day long yeah. back and forth. And finally, to have a chance to just like talk about things, and and um, I said this pre-show, but I want to say this again for the listeners: is this this idea that instead of recording podcasts and discussing the award season before, I, I'm doing this episode at the end because it's great to just actually finally talk about what is won now. And actually to look at it back in this perspective instead of, you know, who knows what's going to win for so long. And now we can actually have these conversations and and get over it and get like get past the season and just accept it. And it's not to say, you know, we all probably have our own. I know we did an episode. I don't know if you guys did, too, about our favorites from last year anyway. Yeah. And a lot of those don't win awards anyway, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, look, it, my, my favorite film of last year did not get nominated for Best Picture, and it's and it will be probably something I will remember for the rest of my life, and I'll just like I'll take it as that. And but you know what, Regina King won an Oscar for it, so I was like, you know, <laughs> even though the film didn't make it, you know, she did, and it got something. Yeah. So there's something. I, but can, if you don't mind, can I share something with your readers about the statistic history and how? Yesterday yes. was bananas going in. Yes, so do it, please. Th- so, 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 so there were eight Best Picture nominees, right? So it's like the third yeah. time we've had eight in this expanded era where they expanded, uh, they went beyond five, you know, to up between five and ten. Mm. So if Black Panther would have won yesterday, right, it would have been the first film since 1932's Grand Hotel to win without acting, directing, and writing, Right. Big hit, big hump to get over. And after winning three awards yesterday, you were like, hmm, it was probably kind of close. Uh, <laughs> Black Klansman, if that had won Best Picture, it would have been the first film since Out of Africa in 1985 to win without any major guild wins before. Because Black Klansman won nothing all season long. The only award it won on a televised show going into Oscar night was adapted screenplay at BAFTA. And that's exactly what it won yesterday. So there was that little thing. Bohemian Rhapsody, if it won Best Picture, it would have been the first film since Argo to win without a director nomination, but Green Book just did that. And it would have been the first film since Titanic to win without a screenplay nomination. Mm-hmm. And I and it went four for five, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, 2000, the movie Traffic, which lost to Gladiator, won, it was nominated for five awards, and it won all five, all, it won four and lost Best Picture in the end. So that's something that 
was close to happening. The favorite would have been the first film since Driving Miss Daisy to win without a DGA nomination. It almost was it was almost the biggest lose one of the biggest losers in Oscar history if it didn't win Olivia Coleman, which it totally looked like it was going that route in the night. Uh, but Green Book made history being the first film to win without a director nomination and a SAG ensemble nomination. Two big stats that you quote unquote need to win Best Picture and Green Book trumped both of them. And then um, A Star is Born, assuming it would have won Best Picture, would have been the first film since Rebecca in 1941 to win Picture without any major Oscars above the line. And then Roma would have been obviously the first foreign, first service <laughs> streaming service winner, first to win without a Globe and SAG ensemble nomination, and then the first since Birdman without editing nominations. That's why it was crazy going into the night because you were just like, whatever stats you know, don't even talk about it anymore because they're irrelevant. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking about going forward. It's like there isn't you can't really measure it anymore. And I, I've talked about this in the last few years anyway with some people, like the idea that um, if there's something about a film that catches people's attention, like I know it's going to win. Like I think it was The Artist that year. I remember thinking to myself, like this is just going to appeal to the voters, the Academy, mm-hmm. like the, the I dare I say, the older white Academy just, voters. Yeah. Like, it's going to appeal to them in a way where I'm like, I don't, I don't even care what happens. I just know they're going to love it. And I know it's going to end up winning, if not getting a lot of nominations, which it did. And that kind of thing happens to me nowadays where, like, I see a film like Green Book and I know it's a people pleaser. I know it's the kind of thing where, like, there's a crowd of people who just love it because it makes you laugh and feel good. I mean, aside from the objections with the film. And therefore, you can almost predict based on that feeling and um, the only statistic someone has pointed out, which is the the Toronto Film Festival Audience Award winner, has won like six years in a row now, and that's oh, been one of the yeah. one of the like key factors was that um, it used to be the Telluride Film Festival. Telluride, the Telluride uh, Festival set died last night. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Which is why Green Book's Toronto the, I think the first one first one eleven like is it eleven years or whatever or something like yeah, that. Something like that. It's crazy. It is. Like, it, it's 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 saying just like so many things just like died yesterday besides people's hopes and dreams. <laughs> Which is but yeah. <laughs> again, my thought for like what do you what do you do for next season? Of course it's way too early to begin a discussion, but like at some point in the fall season, how do you even begin the discussion? And is it is it more about what you think will win based on merit at that point, or do we begin the political discussion like as soon as Toronto and Venice begin? I don't so, know. I mean, the good thing about award circuit, something I pride myself on, as soon as the Oscars are over, we move to next season. I don't even like care. So, like, we're, I'm releasing my year in advance prediction. Like, this, the time of this recording is Monday. I'm releasing my year in advance predictions later today because you just have to move on and then you look to what you can get happy about this year. And there's like a ton of like promising stuff that, you know, could happen. And the good thing when you do year in advance or early predictions like we do and you're just kind of building the buzz there's no right or wrong you can literally write your own narrative and just talk and speculate about it for the next six months and then have it just be cool like my year and my year out winner like in my mind i'm like hey maybe it's going to be the winner is the harriet tubman movie called harriet that's directed by cassie lemons uh and i'm predicting that she'll be the first black um director winner and first female uh black director nominee but first few uh black director winner of a film and then harriet will win best picture like and you could just do that and yeah, just yeah. And, and and as oscar pundits and and film critics this is for everyone we have a little bit of a responsibility here to cite 
stuff that yeah it may seem far-fetched and and obviously history does not you know favor because lemons getting a best director nomination or or you know the movie winning but you know why not like we can write that narrative now you know that's a good point do you think um do you think based on uh not based on sorry but the the, the the fact that they showed an Irishman teaser, so to say, which was really just a blank title card. But like, does does Scorsese's uh, film have a chance already? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so last year, uh, my year in advance prediction winner was The Irishman because we thought it was coming out oh, right, <laughs> uh, right, right. in yeah. twenty eighteen. So then, uh, so then we found out. Like, I found out like mid mid year that like he wasn't going to be finished yet. Um, listen, Netflix. Finally got invited to the big boys table. They are so <laughs> excited. They were so excited. They spent, uh, listen, I, I feel bad for anyone. It's Netflix. They spent so much money to try to get Roma best picture. Like they won three Oscars last night. And I'm sure like everyone can say that's really good. One of them was best director. Like you should be happy about that. They wanted best picture and they didn't get it. And I, and I think they estimate something like $20 million that they spent on a campaign. It's, but this, it, it's crazy. Can't you, can't you still compliment them though for at least getting three? Yes. Options? No, that's absolutely. <laughs> okay. No, I can. I think them themselves are feeling like, I think they, 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 uh, want, like, they wanted so bad. Yeah. They thought they were going to get it. Right. Right. You know? And, and, I mean, people are like decrying the, you know, preferential ballot. They're like, get rid of preferential ballot. Like this proves it doesn't work. But then again, then, you know, that full Clayton comes in and says preferential ballots. Why Moonlight's the best picture winner. That's why Spotlight is the best picture winner and probably not the big short of the Revenant. You know, why, um, you know, 12 Years of Slave might have won on the first round. But like Argo's probably a best picture winner for that reason. But, you know, but. But more so than anything, I think Green Book is the best thing that ever happened to Crash and the King's Speech because people can finally leave those two films alone because they get <laughs> yeah. dumped on so much. Because a lot of times it's not about what won, it's about what it beat. And, and let's not you know, leave Shakespeare in love out of this, please. Oh, yeah. Exa- oh, yeah. Shakespeare. <laughs> and, and it's always unfair in that in that regard, right? This is actually interesting about this with Green Book, though. This is the first time that the movie that everyone hates is not because of what it beat. Cause there were just so many other things in the race. They hated right. <laughs> that they really just hated the movie or, or film Twitter quote unquote hated the movie. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how mean time is going to be to green book. Cause driving Miss Daisy, I, I'd argue also doesn't get beat up as much for what it beat versus just like its existence as a film. Because I mean, I'm I'm mad at it because it beat Dead Poets Society, but I think most of the world is mad because it beat like Born on the Fourth of July and and or My Left Foot, depending on where you are, you know, in, in that in that realm. But you know, but yeah, I, Shakespeare in Love is a great point. Shakespeare in Love got beat up for years, and I think actually time has been kind to Shakespeare in Love. I think I think people look back now and they're not they're not as like you know it was the worst thing that ever happened in life. Like people are just more so now. People are just like, "Damn, that's the movie they gave Harvey Weinstein an Oscar." <laughs> like, they probably gave him uh, one. But I also think that that's kind of the big um, conversation piece about the Oscars is, you know, I mean, most people spend a day or two thinking about it, 
and that's it, and then they move on. But at, at the end of the day, the Oscars are not really uh, for us, for the people. They're for the award winners, and they're for the studios, and they're for the people yeah. who get to say, this person is an Academy Award winner or nominee in their next promo for the next thing. I mean, this is yeah. a, these, these awards, to me, represent a, a confirmation of talent more so than some sort of um, acknowledgement that this is the best thing ever. And I think that yeah. the best picture, especially of them all, in the fact that the producers win that award, and nowadays directors and actors are, are launching themselves into the producer role thanks to agents knowing that that's how they get the awards and the money and the fame and all that. But I think that at the end of the day, one thing we all have to keep in perspective is that Green Book won, but the producers are the winners. And now what I'm most interested in is Peter Farrelly's next move. I mean, is he going to go do Dumb and Dumber 3 or is he going to try and consider himself <laughs> a now Oscar-winning filmmaker who should continue to make Oscar-winning movies? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I th those are all very that's a very valid uh like watch i mean and I, I think i think especially when you can say hey peter Farrelly has two oscars and bradley cooper has none like let's just say that out loud and continue to that 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 is the truth of life from now on but um listen when, when guy when people like step into an academy award nomination let alone a win right and i'm, and I'm gonna use adam mckay right now as a perfect example of this like he's stepbrothers and the other guys. That is that guy that stepped into the big short and then did Vice. And now we're like, oh, wait, like he's just like now a thing. So, I mean, the Peter, I don't know what he does next. I mean, maybe he just like, you know, goes into obscurity. I, I don't know. He has something on his docket. <laughs> that's, that's not possible, up. though. He's going to he's going to do something. It'll do something. But like, I, I think this year. Especially the award circuit, no pun, uh, pun intended, um, but the award circuit in general is pretty treacherous to people. And I think especially in the middle of the season when the news dropped about, he, you know, about his um, past behavior and showing his like genitalia to people and to women and stuff like that. When stuff like that happens, like it's hard to like reel back from. I always say award season changed Joaquin Phoenix. That's why he's a complete like. He's my probably my favorite living actor, but he's a total. Uh, I don't know if I curse on this, but he's a total <laughs> douche now. Because, Go for it. Yeah, and, and and it's honestly because I, I like he like if you watch him the year of Gladiator, he's such a happy person. He's so happy to be alive, and then he gets through Walk the Line, and then that's when he was like contending and he was trying to like beat Philip Seymour Hoffman and Heath Ledger, and after that. Like he goes into, I'm still here. Like I feel like it can really like change a person's soul. Cause then you see like what you're doing just to try to win an award. And we, and, and the big point you make, Mike, what people need to see is we are just spectators. that got invited to the prom. We got to see prom King and queen get crowned and it has nothing to do with us. They're the cool kids in, in the front and we're sitting in the back. And we need to stop assuming that we have any part of it that, you know, we just need to hope that they're, you know, kind of making the right choices and we can have our own commentary and reflect on the year of cinema and be, be like, you know what, that's the year that Beale Street did not make best picture. And that's the year that disobedience got, you know, passed over and great. They did Spider-Man an animated feature, but yeah, probably should have been nominated for best picture too, you know?
and you know, not a lot of people talk about who won prom king and who won prom queen, except for the prom king and the prom queen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can, Good point. Can I ask? I want to ask a really dumb question just to get out of the way. Um, because I was thinking about it last night. Do I know that all the Academy members vote on the best picture in the final round? Like the the yeah. I think it, I think it ended last week. The voting. Do do they also get to vote in other categories as well? Like does because my thought uh, and I, what I wanted to ask was with Roma winning best foreign language, I remember the moment at one people said, well, this means it's definitely not winning best picture. And I had this thought, like, do people vote like that? Like, do, if you're a regular Academy member who's not necessarily in a certain guild, do you? Well, I mean, I guess you're all in a guild, but but do you get to choose and say like, oh, because I voted for Roma for foreign language, I'm not going to vote for for best picture, or is it? Are you only allowed to vote for Best Picture and then your specific guild category? So you're speaking about after nominations are announced, correct? Yes, yes, like yeah. the final vote. Yeah, yeah. for final voting, everyone, if you're an Academy member, you vote in every category. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, you vote in every category, which is why it opens up considerably. Because for nominations, everyone votes for Best Picture nomination, but you only vote uh, in okay. the in the guild and the branch in which you belong to. So the actors, the actors branch will vote on acting and picture directors branch vote on directing and picture and so forth. So, so the, those groups determine the nominations and then it opens up to the masses. And that's where, that's why it becomes like a completely different ball game. And then that, that's why the tech branches have like a lot of power and you see something like, um, like something like first man, which, it's kind of a technical achievement, but had a lot of hard, like it was, it was really hard uh, during the award season. It got beat up quite a bit and going into nominations. I remember thinking to myself, like, listen, the, produ the, the produ production designers are going to go big for it. You know, sound guys, the visual effects people at that time, I thought, you know, the, the film editors were going to be there, the cinematographers and those, and that, that's a big plurality of the Academy already. There's no reason why they're voting for it in their branch and not voting for it in picture. So what I learned mostly, I learned this mostly the year of Silver Linings Playbook. A lot of people go down the line for their film because believe it or not, Academy members don't see all the nominees in all the films, which is annoying. But then they also do compartmentalize and say, Roma, foreign language film, great, I did it. And I feel I did my obligation and now I can move on and do what I really want in another category. So they don't think I'm racist, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. And I guess that's what I thought it was almost like, okay, if, if like, not that, you know, but if Roma were going to win best picture, like if they kind of all had this feeling amongst all the voters, you know, would something else have won foreign language? And would that have been another like clue for what's about to come later in the show? That's what Yes. Yeah. No, I, I think we, and as Oscar followers we're always looking for like maybe three key awards in the night that will predict best picture for us right mm -hmm. and it's usually like film editing screenplay and director and those are usually like the three that you're like all right what if like the same film wins there then we're like okay we know what's coming in picture this year we were like all right film editing bohemian rhapsody okay and then we were like screenplay Green Book and and um, Black Klansman, okay, and director Roma. So we're in three different films. Yeah. We had no idea, but I, I'll be honest. Once Green Book won screenplay for me, it told that that's the moment I knew it was Green Book in the end, because because yeah. I unfathomable 
And listen, as someone who likes Green Book, unfathomable that it won original screenplay. Yeah, Cannot I know. Wrap my head around it. There, there's this. Okay, so this makes me want to talk about. There's like a three or so that I are that I think are just absolutely like terrible choices. The other one being, um, uh, uh, I, I hate to say it, but um, uh, score. Which I like Black Panther score, but over Beale Street, over Isle of Dogs, like, come on. And then um, there was one other one I, I, I'm not remembering right now. The way I was just like, this is not, this is the worst of all five choices. Like, how could you, how could you end up with that one? Like, other so, ones okay, but how this? I think it was, I think it was Bohemian Rhapsody for the sound, and it was also Bohemian sound Rhapsody editing. for editing. Oh, sound, sound editing. It was by, by far complex like perplexing decision. So yeah. this is, I have to credit Chris Tapley for this. I think this year proved more than ever that we need to just combo the sound categories. And I, I and they are two different disciplines and I understand how it works. The Academy as a whole does not. Right. And right. because they don't, let's just, set, just put them together into one award and add one more category for stunts or cast. And then we can just be back at 24 because Bohemian Rhapsody winning sound editing is mind-boggling. Yeah. That you said, yep, the Queen music microphone moving is more of an achievement than first man traveling through space yeah. to the moon or any of like any of the that I was I was I died a little inside. And I am with you 100% on score. I think I tweeted it out. I said, "Guys, we just allowed Nicholas Patel to walk out of the Dolby Theater without an Oscar in hand, and we're all responsible. And I, I'm sure he will get one down the road, but the, this, these are the categories to me that, that – this is why I asked you that question about voting that makes me really worried that people don't truly understand a choice and that they're not truly voting – on anything besides like, oh, I, I, you know, the simplest idea of like, oh, I like the score. But like, it's like, it's almost like, did you even see Beale Street? Like, I feel like they've never even watched it and thought about it. <laughs> like, how yeah. did it end up that way, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, th I think they, I think enough people watched it. I mean, I just think, listen, it's what they're passionate about, right? Like, you know, we can all say like, you know, I, I don't like for me, I don't know how disobedience wasn't a best picture nominee, but like, listen, it's not for everyone. Not everyone gets it, you know? So I, I, I listen, when, when you have a group of 9,000 Academy members, yeah. you start to yield consensus. And that's, and, that, and that's what happens. If it was a smaller pool, then we would get way like, listen, I think that's why the globes tend to once in a while when they're not being like star chasers, like get some pretty cool nominees among the group because there's only 90 of them that, that are voting. SAG this year, they choose 1,400 random people to vote in their awards, and that's how you get oh, Emily Blunt, yeah, you know, nominated yeah. for A Quiet Place. And then here, like another thing that was completely perplexing, she won at the SAG Awards, only the second person to win a SAG Award that didn't translate to an Oscar nomination, and for a horror film at that. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, uh, this makes me want to mention Tony Collette, but that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. But, but like, it, it is, it is a very weird, like, it also makes me, you, you must have a perspective because you speak to so many uh, members and, and voters. But to me, I like, as much as everyone in film Twitter hates them, I like the end of the year when they release the, uh, the like, um, secret voter thoughts. Yeah. 
And everyone hates them because they're so horribly racist and terrible and all these things. But I'm also like, this actually gives me a perspective. Like, it it makes me understand, like, oh, this is actually where people are coming from. Like, you read it and you're like, this is the craziest thing anyone has ever said. But you're like, this person votes and I don't. And they get a say. And it's and it's kind of scary. And you want to, like, shape them and be like you're not actually thinking about things correctly and, you know, go sit down with a sound editor for a couple of weeks and learn the job, but you can't do that. And nonetheless, they still get to vote. And, and of course the Academy responds by implementing new members that they hope are more uh, fresh and understanding and this have is, a perspective that helps. That was, but. that was, that was Cheryl Boone Isaac's greatest. She knew this and she said, okay, I can't change their hearts. So right. I'll change the body of the Academy so let's invite let's let's invite fifteen hundred new people, younger, diverse from all around the world, and it and it showed like you you see I think even in the the winners, in a lot of places you see their 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 mark now, but I think in the nominees you also saw their mark. The Academy has changed now. Like Yalitza Aparicio should not be an Oscar nominee on paper. Like old Academy ten years ago does not vote for her to get nominated for Best Actress and her and her co-star Marina Di Tavera. Like it's completely different. But you know those old white guys still you know show their heads because that's how you get Sam Rockwell in for Vice and his Oscar scene was god awful, god awful. <laughs> I can't believe they showed that and said, "Yep, this is representative of why we nominated him" because it was just terrible. I, I mean, like. This is going to get me in trouble, but I like that a couple of years ago there was this debate about like having a limit on age or like um, I think there was something like someone proposed if you hadn't done work in Hollywood for 20 years, you'd be ousted of the Academy. Oh, and there was, yeah. No, there, yeah. There was a huge uproar. And I was like, I was like, you know, I was like, well, of course, if you, you're not going to like being kicked out, but it's also like. This makes sense. Like we've got to, you've got to put a limit on these people. You can't just let someone legacy for thirty years of their lives just because so I think, they did. I think the, I think that rule is still kind of in effect, though. So here's the, here's the rule, and this is how they clarified it: If you're an Oscar winner, Oscar nominee, you're you're a you're a member for life, no matter if you ever stop working. Right. So that that you got to stay in there. However, if you've never been nominated or never won. And then time passes, and then you haven't worked for 20 years, then you would be removed. And I think that's still in effect. So I mean, Cheryl Boone Isaacs like went for it, but there was a big outcry. I don't know if they yeah. ever like disbanded it. But I think and this is gonna be super dramatic, but I I I take the changing academy of leadership hands and compare it heavily to the United States presidential hands. It's like we had this really great, awesome black president that was in, that was doing all this change, and then some white guy came and fucked it all up. <laughs> and, and Don't John, say it, but it's true. And John Bailey, oh. and, and I don't, I, and I hate that I, I get so angry with him because I'm pretty sure it's not all his fault. Right. And when he came out yesterday, I was like, literally, like, I need you to get off stage right now because I'm just not. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you right now. But John yeah. Bailey and this this year had had to be the single worst year PR wise for the Academy ever. Just ever in the history of ever, almost for any organization, they just put their foot in their mouth every step of the way. Like ev- every single moment they were just like, how can we get the public mad at us some more here? Let's do this and this and this. I mean, from best popular film introduction 
to moving stuff to commercial break to like now moving the Oscars to like February 9th next year, which is just going to be like, what? <laughs> like, we just don't know what, what they're going to do next. All for the sake of ratings, because they just can't yeah. see the writings on the wall that, hey, like 20% of ratings are done everywhere because everyone's on streaming. Yeah. And maybe we should get off ABC and do a streaming Oscars on Netflix because that would be totally awesome. Yeah, I agree. I, I was reading that idea online. I like that idea. I mean, yeah. I don't want to get too much into it because it, 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 we've already discussed it so much. But like, I really do feel like they were making such unbelievably idiotic choices. And they were the fact that they had to backtrack every one of them within yeah. a few days was also clear that like you need to learn your lessons, which is that everything you keep proposing is not only not good and the public hates it, but bad in general. Like get rid of your leadership, clean house. And you know, you're right about yeah. the comparison to, to politics because he is, I don't want to say this because it sucks so much, but he is running it like a business. Yeah. And, then, and, and, and he, and he, and he says these things in a tweet, which also gets everyone mad is that you announce these things in a tweet with no clarity about what, like when they announced popular film, they're like, we're gonna do a best pop popular film category in a tweet. And everyone was like, what? Like, yeah. What's going to be the criteria? They're like, oh, we'll announce that later. Like, no, idiot. Like, you don't just announce things like that. And everyone also read into that moment. Like, you just, you're just, like, stop being, like, weak and just vote for Black Panther and Best Picture if you want to. Stop trying to regulate it to this other category. And yeah. look what we got. We still got Black Panther, three Oscars last night. Yeah, this I mean, the other thing I wanted to say about this, this topic to everyone over the last year was this, this idea that whenever someone would say, well, it's not just a show, it's an awards, there would always be some other like film critic or colleague who would come out and be like, oh, but it is the show, the show is important. And I'm like, yeah, the show is a part of it. I get that that has been a tradition for, you know, almost 100 years now. But but also, like, you can't forget, this is the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. They aren't a show. They are they're at the foundation of the organization. What they do is a recognition of honor and talent on and off screen. Everyone. It isn't just a show. Like, I can't stand when people say, oh, it's just a show. They have to care about ratings. Like, it's like, like you're the CEO and all you care about is the show. Like, there's so much more that the Academy does yeah. and recognizes. And, and to me, that has always been the case. Like, aside from the fact that I don't agree with the winners every year, I still do think the Academy isn't a – purely just to show the whole 364 days of the year they operate, they operate, at least from far as I know, not being a member, they operate as a organization that supports the, the, the filmmaking community. Yeah. And, and listen, they're, they're, about, they're, they're also about to diversify their revenue stream immensely. This is just why Laura Dern came out last night and says, coming soon, get ready for the museum. Yeah. Their big, yeah. pro their big baby that they've been pregnant with for 30 years is finally going to be birthed like in the next year or two. And they're going to be able to make some more money. Listen, I, I get it. Like I get the ratings thing. And, but also there's still the second highest rated thing of the year next to the super bowl. Like, like you're not dying. You're not a dying breed. Like the Oscars are still relevant because people watch them because of stuff that happened last night. They like big money makers got to win Oscars and people knew the movies they were talking about for like the first time in a while. The buzz around the Oscars is not usually the awards themselves. That that does help the lead up, but after, I mean, the buzz is always about those five or six moments that happened. You know, everybody mm -hmm. wants to know who won Best Picture, but that's generally speaking, I think for the general public, the only award that matters unless something interesting happened. 
And so, like, people like us are sort of in shock, and I'm very happy about it, about Olivia Coleman winning over Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. But if you even told people that Glenn Close was nominated for a movie, they'd be like, what movie? I'd never heard of it. And, and so, people are going to be like, who's Olivia Coleman? And who's Olivia Coleman? <laughs> yeah. And then I'd be like, yeah. haven't you seen any Edgar Wright movies? And they'd be like, <laughs> no, I haven't. So this is just a never-ending cycle. But the um, – <laughs> The, the thing to me that I think the Oscars is always missing out on opportunity-wise because they want to remain the sort of pristine element of, of you know, grace and class or whatever um, is the opportunity to really be the Super Bowl of movies and have big-time announcements or trailer launches or other sort of exciting things that draw people to events. I mean, how many people who don't watch football watch the Super Bowl because they're going to play teasers for movies? How many yeah. people watch the NBA finals because of some kind of advertisement for a movie? I mean, that's yeah. how you get people to watch your show that otherwise wouldn't. It's not lowering and I don't the... Know, and I don't know why they haven't really, like, honed in on that or have hugged the hell out of that aspect of it, of making it just this whole movie experience where you have these big TV spots for, like, the biggest movies coming. It's like, The Irishman was probably the biggest movie that, like, teased during the show, right? Yeah. But like, and I, they could have totally threw like the premiere of Endgame in there, especially since ABC is owned by Disney. Like, or just how much, how many sell. Star Wars opportunities did they have last night? Yeah, like you can just run with this, and people would watch just to wait for the commercial, you know. And listen, they were running with the Lady Gaga is an Oscar nominee all night long. They mentioned yeah, her like course, every. Leading into commercial break, like coming up next, Lady Gaga, when we all knew she was fifth to last, you know, award of the night. And they mentioned it like after award two. And so, that, and that, oh, and that was, performance was, I mean, in my opinion, one of the top 10 Oscar moments I can think of all time. Like that performance it, was great, especially People the way we're going to be talking yeah. about it. The way it was shot was was memorable as hell even though that's more for i think the people like us who see that kind of thing it's just like a one take back of the stage just like the movie to kind of bring us into their performance and to have like that was to me the kinds of moments i expect from the oscars if you're going to really call yourself the biggest show of hollywood and to not have a host is something i i've been wanting for a while too and I think it went really well for wasn't them. It, wasn't it great? It was great. It was, yeah. just, and you know what it, just it does? Like it, just, it, it, it brings opportunity to all these other people uh, who come up on stage and are no longer trying to just like throw a couple jokes out there and then give an award. But they are the, the hosts themselves. Each presenter is a host. And uh, yeah. I don't know why that's such an, a, a foreign concept to people who run these shows. Yeah. The host is such an arbitrary person who only introduces the show and then says, up next, Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They, I mean, and, and listen, I, I, I think I dug, by the way, like Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, Maya Rudolph opening. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I could have five hours of that. But like, yeah, you just get like someone to book and the show. And you don't have to do these stupid like bits in between. And you don't have to have 97 montages. Their hard three hours blew up in their face because they still went over even after all that like nonsense. So oh, I, I I think you you hit it on the head. I think they just need to celebrate the movies and just embrace that aspect and stop running. Like I think they're just running too 
much towards certain things. And you know what's funny about the Lady Gaga singing Shallow? And just to think, one of the other bad decisions they had made a few weeks ago and then retracted was, we're only going to have Kendrick Lamar and Lady Gaga sing at the Oscars. To them, which Lady Gaga says, if everyone doesn't sing, I don't sing. And then they were like, okay, never mind. And then... (laughs) Then we got everyone singing. And then listen, I think uh, then we got Bette Midler on stage, which was definitely for a group out there. And I think the Ballad of Buster Shrug song was like one of the great moments of the night. For me, that was like my favorite song performance because I just loved it. But yeah. It, like, like, yeah, they, they just they they just don't get it. And that's what's frustrating about it. The Board of Governors especially. And this also rides home more. We should have just let Laura Dern be president. I don't know. I hate that she's not president because I know she was going to be and then they just wouldn't allow it because of, of her schedule for anyone who doesn't know. Like, Laura Dern was going to be president oh, wow. and, they said her, and they said her schedule was too crazy. So then she floated, okay, can we just do a co-president thing? And they were like, nah. And then John Bailey became president. Ah, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, to, to, to Mike's point, actually, one of the things that, as much as it is a show to the general public, one of the things I think that is, is important, even though they don't see it in a recognizable way, is the fact that people who are regular moviegoers who see five films a year get to actually see the behind-the-scenes people. Like, and yeah. I, I, know, I know that there's the stories on Twitter where someone, some filmmaker will say, hey, I was inspired by making movies because I saw a film editor give a speech on the Academy mm-hmm. Awards when I was a kid. And like, even those moments where they they never get talked about and you know, there's not going to be a big ratings boost because of them, but they still need to show those moments because there's that like little spark that some filmmaker kid's going to get in his home seeing the fact that a cinematographer, I mean, aside from Alfonso being a director, but seeing yeah. a cinematographer or, or a sound mixer or an editor or some random person have that chance to be up there on the stage and in the same place as everyone else who we recognize from the movie. Yeah, so I love no, it. And they need to keep yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I listen, I think the Academy has a huge responsibility responsibility that they evidently are not taking serious and are just foregoing yeah, at this oh, point yeah. by by not educating young kids that you don't like listen, it's great that you want to be the, the next Denzel Washington or, you know, Viola Davis young black kid growing up in an urban area, but hey, you could be the next Bradford Young and you know grab a camera and shoot the shit out of a movie, or you could be the next Barry Jenkins and know how to direct a movie. You can be the next Spike Lee and write a movie. Like the, you could be Joy McMillan and edit a movie. There's all these, these opportunities that they don't take to really educate the world on those things. And I believe it starts at the nominations announcement. Why that is not prime time yet in a, like a 30, like a 30 minute or hour segment of presenting all the nominees, educate the couple, the, the, the population about what, you know, a sound editor does and what a makeup and hairstyling person does and, you know, what costume designer, like all that stuff. And then let everyone know who Sandy Powell is and why she's double nominated and why Ruthie Carter is a big deal. And John Ottman, who won film editing, as much as you may hate Bohemian Rhapsody, hey, he's also a film composer. He's actually like a jack of all trades, which is a rarity in our industry. And, you know, I do think that it's it's tough to do both, which is to acknowledge the year's best while also explaining what these awards are. And I think they make a lot of assumptions that people do understand. But how is it that every single year the sound editing and sound mixing awards require 40 think pieces about the difference? And 
you know, if it's that complicated for people, and obviously it seems to be that complicated for the voters too, uh, you know, why even have those awards split up like you said earlier? I mean, there's a lot of technical elements to, to these awards that I think get lost on people, and then they try and, you know, fix the problem by eliminating awards or by cutting it back on the time people have, and those are not the things people are confused about or need clarity on which is you know um times of speeches and and whatever yeah. i mean it, it's it's really it's the craft it's what these awards are about honoring the there were two years ago i think maybe it was last year's oscars my favorite thing they did was do a, a montage of past winners before the award was announced oh yeah yeah i remember that that, that was, was great. my favorite yeah. thing they ever did i thought it was fantastic and they did it for all the awards and they just you, – you got a sense of the history of that category and what sure. it looks like when you really put them all together and see. You know, I mean, look, best costume design is not just best period piece anymore. Which yeah. Which was the other yeah. really cool thing that came out of this is like The Favorite yeah. was – I mean, you see movies like The Favorite or Mary Queen of Scots or whatever. I don't even know if it was nominated. I forget. It was. Okay. It was. Yeah, and you're like, okay, <laughs> course, so that's was. that's the winner this year. There's always yeah, some yeah. Elizabethan era thing, and then you see a movie like Black Panther that redefined what that means. Is and you know, Look, of course, sci-fi listen, movies I, I, are. I, I think I think you even date that to the same point that you're making, which is also tied to another year where they did something great. Tie that to 2015 when Mad Max won costume design. That doesn't win costume design. In a regular Academy old white guy world, because like that's just like a bunch of you know cloths and and jackets to like regular people, but it won costume design. Also, the same year that they brilliant brilliantly showed the difference between sound mixing and sound editing. They did this whole little montage before the announcements that were showing like how like the dings and the and the and the sounds that they make for it. So. Again, yeah, it, their thing is to eliminate it when they don't get it instead of just taking the time to just educate. I mean, sound editing has only been expanded to five nominees since 2006. We, like, forget that this has just become, uh, you know, a thing. Makeup and hairstyling, the fact that it's still three nominees is, like, perplexing to me because I'm just like, why can't we have two more spots? Like, I just don't, <laughs> like, it's not it's not computing to me, you know? So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of s small fixes that they can make just – to just make it better for everyone. Do you do you think being being a, a, a an awards person? Do you think there is ever a real chance that stunts would make it into a category? Like they haven't yeah. they haven't added a category in a long time, have they? Yeah, yeah. They well, animated feature was the last one that they that added. That was like twenty five yeah. years ago, right? Well, it was in two thousand. They just added uh, okay, it like okay. two thousand. But still, nineteen uh, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, I I think. There is an active campaign for two awards right now that has been like been in flux and that and that's been stunts and for casting. Um, I, I think stunts has a way better shot of making yeah. it in than casting at the moment, uh, just based on you know because casting the 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 feeling is that casting the casting award is just going to go to the best picture winner so they won't be able to really like differentiate between the two but i think it you can clearly do, do that um stunts i think we're i'd say we're like five to ten years away from that coming 
And yeah. something something has to, well or best popular film. Ask for another category. <laughs> see what they give you. Yeah, um, and 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 evidently, by the way, sources tell me, and I think a lot of people know this around. That's not dead. It was just dead for this right. year. I heard that. I yeah, like so, which I don't like because because we, you already talked about this a little recently. But the idea was that Black Panther like was the popular film choice, and it ended up winning and getting nominated. Like, so it's like you didn't even need this category to achieve yeah. what you wanted to achieve. <laughs> I, I just I just always thought, and I'm sure you guys are gonna feel the same way. How how gross would it have been to give out best popular film right before best picture? And then you're like, all right, here's best picture, but not the most popular film. Like, like what, like what message are you sending there? Like, what yeah. does best picture mean then? What does best popular film mean? You know, unless you're going to have it voted on by the public, which I guess like at that point is kind of like gets the public involved. And then, but then you run the risk of twilight new moon becoming a best, yeah, yeah, exactly. an Oscar winner, you know, a lot of times, you know, like I think, I think it was just a really kind of dumb idea i also i don't know why they also have run away from honorary oscars because that used to be oh, such yeah, a thing yeah. that they used to do i mean that's how star wars you know was a, a winner it's uh in 77 when they gave it a special award for like visual effects and things like that you know i mean they can totally do that for like an andy circus you know who keeps you know delivering performances in motion capture but the academy is too stupid to realize that it's acting yet so you just give give them some honorary stuff, like just use some of that airtime for that. But they just they just don't get by. I think we're close to stunts casting. I think we're some away, and I think we're gonna get best popular film in some uh, ugly version shortly. I hope not. This this makes me want to mention. Um, I was thinking about mentioning this on the show anyway. Was the Indie Spirit Awards, which have always been there they always take place just the day before and they always represent to me like the true representation of pure quality above all and if, i don't know if they have rules like it can't be a big film or something like that at the indie spirits i think they used to but they yeah. don't anymore no, no no they do they have they have a money uh okay. you can't be you can't have a budget over 20 million dollars but nonetheless they they still like my first thought when they said best popular film would be that if if that was the case, then the best film selection better be more representative of what the indie spirits choose for their best film. Like truly great work, not just because of the money, but like because it's actual great work. Like the the five nominees this year were uh, Eighth Grade, First Performed, Beale Street, Leave No Trace, and You Were Never Really Here. Which is like those are that would be perfectly fine with me if those were nominated for Best Picture anyway. And that has happened. I think last year with Get Out winning. Um, uh, it, like there's a, there is a translation between indie spirits and Oscars sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think this was the first time since like 2006, maybe that none of the independent spirit award best picture nominees didn't get best picture nominations at the yeah, Oscars. Yeah. It's the first that, time in a long time. It, it, it's the only thing that made my mind think like, okay, if they're going to do best popular, then make the best film truly be these truly great films well, but so, but then so, it's it's what uh, you said it's kind of like denigrating one of them over another so this this is the sad truth and I'm, it's it <laughs> uh -oh. kind of unravels everything that you just said uh -oh. the reason why we're at the best popular film debacle now is because of the indie spirits it's because everyone the indie spirits were becoming the oscars in terms of like what the oscars were nominating it was translating too much over 
and that's why there were like that was a complaint from the public like i don't know any of these movies like what are you talking about you know and stuff like that you know so people were like oh so you know let's do best popular film now listen we've been chasing this by the way this all goes back to the dark knight this is why we're at the place we are now (laughs) dark knight doesn't get nominated for best picture and we've been chasing this for 10 years we finally got here and now we're like, okay, so at least now either we can get over it or, you know, something else is going to happen. But literally, it's been, we've been chasing this moment for 10 years. It's because of the Dark Knight, we expanded it to 10. And then we went to a sliding scale. And then we did this. And then we did that. Now we're at Best Popular Film. And, you know, they just wanted that moment. And I'm just, at this point, it's just like either we make a firm decision that we're going to a straight 10 in Best picture because i think that can solve a lot of issues there yeah, 10 straight 10 nominees it would open things up and let the academy vote for 10 films when they're making their nomination choices right now they only choose five you you let the academy choose 10 that's why district nine is a best picture nominee today yeah if you did the sliding scale district nine would not be this, you know, the one thing I say whenever someone brings it up on Twitter, the one thing I always say about the Oscars is that for me personally, I had my year when Return of the King won. Because I remember watching Lord of the Rings for three years being like, oh, these are really amazing films. I hope they get nominated and I hope they win. And then for two years, nothing, like nothing won. And I was like, oh, okay, that's just how the Oscars go. And then Return of the King won everything. And I like lost my shit that year. You know, I was like, (laughs) oh my God. And so ever since then, which was like 2003, I've always just been like, oh, I had my year. And like, I don't need the Dark Knight. Like it it was fine with me forever since You you were trying not to get greedy? No, but just the, the the whole notion of like, oh, Dark Knight, because it's such a masterpiece, needs to be nominated. Like, I didn't feel that way that year. Like, I had my winning year where the truly personal favorite geeky film won everything. Well, and, this... and I don't need to see that again. Like, I can respect that if Roma would win Best Picture, I wouldn't be, like, upset. Like, it's even if it's not my number one film of the year, I'm not going to sit there being like, oh, I wish that this would have won instead. Like, it's like, okay, I don't mind it as much. Yeah, but, but, I, but also, it's... The Oscars would just take a second, and I think I think you I think you bring up a really good point. Is that if you look at the best picture winners, especially in the last like you know thirty years or so, like yeah. there's been something for nearly everyone along yeah. the way, oh, like yeah. that 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 was given to, to like a general public. Like I think Gladiators for them, like that that was the biggest mm-hmm. money maker, one of the biggest money makers that year. That one best picture that's for them you know you got your musical and that's called chicago the geeks and fantasy people got you know return of the king and the shape of water you know the lgbtq community they got moonlight you know uh you know black people we got you know 12 years a slave you know latinos we're still waiting for our our moment we thought it was this year so (laughs) you know maybe maybe next time guys you know but you know i would say like you know the the horror community still waiting for their moment they thought they had it last year we get out for a minute you know but i think we 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 need to oh also blockbuster general public also got titanic i mean like come on Uh, like that was like the movie of the century and they got it so i think yeah i think we just need to just not feel like every year is for me not every you're not gonna like it every year and if you think you are then you're doing it wrong because, you know, you're not supposed to like everything that the Academy likes. You should like 
be upset <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. You know? And I, I it always becomes a thing to me when I when there's like one film I'm totally in love with, like La La Land. Like I was the pure La La Land fan. But then I also like got to some point in the award season where I was like, you know what? Like the movie exists no matter what anyway. <laughs> and that takes us all back to that original idea of like, okay, awards are just awards and we still take it personally. And yeah. I wanted La La Land to win everything and I thought it should. And of course the, the upset at the end was fascinating, but it was also like, it doesn't matter if Moonlight wins, you know, I still love La La Land and I still think it is this beautiful masterpiece musical, but it's like, that's just, but that's just how it goes every year. I think a lot of people, and, it, and this also goes back to the original discussion at the beginning about the bubble of film Twitter, like amongst our peers that we talk to. And I don't know if it's the same for you, Mike, but just this idea that like, there is a strong narrative and a consensus feeling amongst that community that we think represents more than it really does. And it, it is only a tiny oh little my bubble. God, you, you, you know? just hit, you hit the nail on the head. It is a bubble. Yeah. It's a hundred percent bubble. It, the, the, I think I, I think I tweeted this like, like two months ago. If anyone thinks film Twitter has an effect on Oscar voting, you are kidding yourself. Kidding yourself. Like they, they, they don't care, nor yeah. do they listen to us. Nor are they like even listening to like know that we're even on there talking about them. They just don't care. Yeah. I know. And it's it's also frustrating to me because then I read all these like think pieces and strongly written articles and I see them as like, oh, the public's reading this too. But I'm like, I actually have no idea. Like, you know, I don't know if everyone else is picking up the same things here. And then, of no, course, it's just, it's just yeah. Armin White being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. As, as soon as you go outside of this bubble, you realize you're like, everyone has completely different things. And everyone loves Green Book. And everyone loves yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. And you can't, you can't even argue with them because they're like, oh, I love it because it, it, you know, I love Queen and I enjoyed it. And you're like, well, but, and it's like, that doesn't matter to them. It just, also, the, the number of people, who saw Green Book versus the number of people who now will see Green Book is the the point of discussion that the Oscars yeah. often bring up. You know, the number of people who are going to see The Favorite because Olivia Colman won, the number of people who are yeah. going to see... Look, the Indie Spirit Awards are awesome, and, you know, the movies that film Twitter loves certainly get honored there. Um, and then there's this sort of gap that's bridged by the Oscars between popularity and, and, you know, um, artistry or whatever you want to call it. But I think that, and I said this in last year's podcast about the Oscars and I'll say it every year. The, the beauty of this is that it is the Super Bowl of the Oscars. It is the biggest moment for, um, movies to be highlighted for the world. And the, and, and the Oscar bump is real for these movies. I mean, a lot of them do not get a single minute, of conversation with the general public until the Oscars and, and, and people aren't driving. Most people don't drive down the streets of LA and see for your consideration billboards, you know, like most yeah. people don't follow film Twitter. Like you had mentioned it, it is a bubble. And I think that it's definitely the responsibility of people who work within the industry, especially um, in film criticism to share these movies with the world. So people can decide for themselves whether they want to see them. But most people I think make a lot of their decisions based on the Oscars. The people who I interact with loosely or, you know, family members or friends of family members or people who know I love movies who just want to know what to watch, they usually don't bring up those conversations until the Oscars, until the nominations yeah. come out. And then they ask me, hey, which ones of these should I watch? And I'm like, I, I don't know all of them. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but but most everything that's see, nominated, just watch it. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I don't think that, spider-man needed 
to win Best Animated Feature for people to find out about it or know about it, because that's a much smaller category in which three movies tend to take the cake every year in terms of publicity. But there are the, like the short animated ones. I, those are always full of really great gems that no one will literally ever see. Another, <laughs> another, another thing that shows that they need to educate the public on because no one knows where or how to see the shorts. Yeah. They always they try doing the theatrical runs, but like it's so limited, and I I always wish they would put them online in a yes, more accessible put them on TV. fashion. Like, like like the yeah. Oscars can stream it themselves on their site and make people pay for it, and people totally would. Yeah. Like just do it. Well, to be fair, you know, Shorts like, TV usually has the um, contract for that, and then that's like a special television channel you have to get, or you can buy yeah. it on, on iTunes. But I have to tell people that. Yeah, well, yeah, they're, they're publicizing it. Terrible. But uh, yeah, also to your also to your point though, Mike, like people, like I learned yesterday how to really say the director of Cold War's name because I think I've been saying it wrong all year long, you know. And I, I think like it, it it does shine a light. And I, I think you know, it's a, someone in my family who is the only one that's into movies like this, and also very much alone in its in his taste for movies. You know, people, you know, around this time of the year, they start reaching out to go Clayton. You know, actually. You know what's this movie uh the favorite about, and why is there a U in the middle? Like, you know, why is it spelled wrong? <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. Then you have to like just explain life to them, and just like you know, it, it they have that's the responsibility of the Oscars. And there's a reason why the, all these movies come out at the end of the year. It's not just because all important movies come out at the end of the year. It's because they'll get a boost by the Oscars, and they'll be able to be discovered a bit now. Let yeah, me, the most. Me ask, let me ask one quick question. The the other category that tends to be mostly benefiting from the Oscars is best documentary feature. Um, yeah. And, and I think that that's, that's great. Uh, all five movies tend to get some extra attention. They get bumped up to the front of the line on iTunes, um, other platforms. Um, I was no, it was, I, I was no stranger to these movies this year and minding the gap was something that just transcended it all for me. But mm-hmm. um, I'm curious, especially your perspective, Clayton on, on whether or not there can ever be an Oscar Best Picture nominee that's also a documentary. Uh, oh my God! <laughs> Have you heard this before? Me so. uh, it's 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 been my banging of the drum for the whole reason. So how they framed the expand expanded to ten Best Picture nominees after the Dark Knight was snubbed in their press release. You can go and look it up. It says we can get superhero movies nominated, and now we can get best documentary. We can get a best doc, uh, documentary film and a best picture lineup. And I was so ecstatic, and I said, "Oh my god, I can't wait!" And I'm still waiting. But I still, I still sit here waiting for that moment to happen. My, Mike, my follow up to your question is: What, what in the last decade would be truly worthy of that? Like, which doc in the last decade do you think well, truly? deserve that spot. I, i'm not uh, i'm not i'm not gonna say that there is one um and because I'd, I'd need a second with that but i do think that the question the follow-up question is what what's the criteria that would qualify something for for being in both categories for for I mean, animated i mean the, the the same the same reason why an animated makes it in both categories right it's yeah, just yeah. that good of a film like why can't it just be why, but i do I, think like, that for some just, reason yeah. the 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 voting tends to look at it from this lens of, okay, well, does it transcend category? Does it feel 
Like, this is not just an animated feature, but it's, like, actually a good movie. Is this not just an action movie that has technical awards written all over it, but actually a good movie? And then it's such an annoying way of looking at it. Yeah. I I don't think that, you know, but at the same time, like with best foreign language film, you know, once every couple years, there's a movie that that makes it in. Uh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of animation. It's never happened. (laughs) Right. With, wait, <laughs> wait. Animated film making animated the film. Best picture lineup? An animated film is makes it. Yeah, in there's what, old, once every couple years. Disney ones. Yeah. Wait. Uh, the last the last ani- the last animated film to make it, it nominated for best picture was Toy Story three. But, but, but before that, it was uh, before that it was like the classic Disney ones. Like uh, no, no. But the first animated film to ever make it in best picture was Beauty and the Beast in 1991, and then and then we got and then it didn't happen again until the expanded era because also the same year the dark knight was snubbed wally also was snubbed people were like what the hell wally should have made the five and then and then the next year we got up and then the year after that we got toy story three and then since they switched to the sliding scale we haven't gotten a best uh, we haven't gotten an animated film which is why everyone was pissed the year that inside out missed out in the end and I, and of course I'll say I think Spider Man should have been nominated this year. Yeah. Well, and, so back and, to and, the question then. Yeah. What, what what makes a documentary worth worth best so, picture? Do you uh, have an idea I, for one, Clayton? I'm what you have. Yes, it seems like you had yeah, one in mind. Like, like I I spoke to voters this year that I know voted to get "Won't You Be My Neighbor" in best picture. People thought that should have been nominated for best picture. I don't agree, but like I. But the, I know there are people that do it. Like for me, Three Identical Strangers should have been nominated for Best Picture. That is actively a great film. And going back to years that like we could have but didn't, and you know, again, people aren't gonna. When I say these films, a lot of your listeners maybe are gonna be like, "Oh, what's that about?" But like, Cries from Syria, I think is beautiful. Thirteenth um, from Ava du- Duvarney yeah, is yeah. incredible, and I think should have been there. Um, I'm a huge fan of Searching for Sugar Man. If anyone's ever seen it, oh, yeah, and course. I and I and I still rewatch it like actively sometimes, just like to have my moment. But yeah, like there's been, there's been a ton of stuff over the year. The Look of Silence, Life Itself, the Roger Ebert documentary. Like people thought that was gonna do it for a quick second, you know, until until it missed out in the end. The Square, which was on Netflix. Like there's been a ton of stuff, and 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 we're not gonna have it until. There's there's like a, a groundswell. It has to be something that's wide release, first of all, that the that the public is going to be able to get behind, and it has to also be something that the critics champion all year, and it reflects in their critics awards. So as much as critics are bitching and moaning about it, they are they aren't doing a really good job of like giving an example of something that should you know be there. And there's actually even a small contingent in the critic community that don't believe. That it should be in Best Picture because they think it's like Best Picture is only for narratives, not for documentaries. Yeah, no. But there's that's still, my point. Still that my point, here. really, at the end of the day, is that we're seeing a huge shift in documentary film, in which it's no longer just the talking head. It's no longer just um, Ken Burns. It, you know, I think, and not to, <laughs> oh, not to, Ken Burns. <laughs> I love Ken Burns, but, but yeah. I think that's the sort of documentary people th- people think and know and. 
You yeah. know, you see films no. like, um, you know, R- RBG is, is a little day in the life sort of TV style documentary. I don't really think that that categorizes. But I also think that even Won't You Be My Neighbor still follows true with most of the traditional documentary style. That's why I brought up Minding yeah. the Gap because well, Minding well, no, the Gap I, I, felt I think, like the I think, closest I think thing to, to your point, the point you're making right now is birthed into free solo winning a, a documentary feature this year because that the past few weeks has been screening on IMAX. That is an IMAX experience film. And I guarantee if voters watch that on IMAX, that's why it won documentary feature because it's an, it's an experience of the mind and the senses, something that like, you know, is, is incredible to watch unravel and has you at the edge of your seat the whole time. And I'm not even that, big on the movie but i am big on the camera work and everything that it it, it does and i think minding the gap you know people were like banging the drum like of that getting a film editing nomination you know we just have a hard time looking at certain things outside of their like quote-unquote ghettoed categories you know it's it's a rarity for you know, a- animated films to get outside of animated feature. Inside Out was also nominated in screenplay, which was like a big deal. You know, and that and that's hard for a lot of things to do. I think Spider Man should have been in a ton of categories. I, I do think we'll know? see documentary get cinematography before we'll see any other category. I, there's yeah, gonna be something. Sure. I mean, if not, if I mean, I'm surprised Free Solo didn't. But then you've got like Samsara yeah. and stuff like that in the past. I that... think I I think the last do- I think the last documentary to make it outside of documentary feature period i think was hoop dreams if mm, i if i'm if i'm even correct and i'm pretty i think that's it i think they got best editing and i don't think that even got nominated for a documentary feature that year so i think that's actually i yeah i think so someone can quote me on that your readers are probably screaming at me or your listeners are probably screaming at me right now like you're an idiot you're wrong <laughs> no that makes sense yeah this, this ties all back to our documentary episode we recorded, which is just that it's really hard to get people into documentaries anyway. So I'm, I'm like, one hand, I'm totally happy that Free Solo is being as widely seen as it is, you know. And, and last year there were a number of strong docs that, like, the general public saw that I was surprised by. But at the same time, it, it's like this great challenge of getting people to even appreciate docs on the same level as narrative features. And I, I am an advocate for that. Obviously, Mike is in a, in a whole episode about it. And I, but... It's it is a great challenge, and I I don't I don't want to like fall on the other side in this discussion and say well there's not a lot that I've seen that would deserve best picture, but it's more of like what you were saying, Mike, about I want something that transcends purely the documentary format and represents a film that blows me away, you know, in a, in a huge way. And I always have one or two docs in my top ten every year anyway. Like my my one this year was Shirkers. And I, would I put Shirkers as best picture? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I if, it's, if it's it, in you know? your top 10, it is best picture. Right? I know, but I mean, like, I'm talking about, like, if I were an Academy voter, would I have listed it as one of my nominations for best picture? Probably uh, not. That, that, that is the, oh, my God. This I know, is, no, I'm the bad guy. I, I, I want to choke an Academy <laughs> member. And critics, man, when they were like, when they're like, you know, it's in my top ten, but would I vote for for best picture? Yeah, you should, because that's why it's your top ten. Like, <laughs> there's the people that are like, like oh my god, top, like I think I got to an argument with someone recently, and they were like, oh, I'm vote, like they said, like, I, and I, and it was working in my favor, and I was still 
upset with them. They're like, I, I would vote for Roma in Best Picture. I was like, is that your number one? They're like, no, it's not even my top ten. And I'm like, why the hell are you voting for it then? They're like, because I think it's an important film and it should win. But like, no, you don't then if it's not your number one. Like, that's not what it's about. You should vote for what you – this becomes the whole best versus favorite argument that drives me up a wall. But I think you vote for what you love and if what your number one is is there – then you vote for it. And if that's not there, then you go to your number two. That's why Roma gets my vote, but it's not because I think it's the best film of the year. It's because Beale Street ain't there. So then I go to Roma next. Right, right. Well, I guess that's, it's like if I had to choose five spots, I would have chosen my fifth one for like Spider-Man, you know, <laughs> to like, to give it almost in a way where I'm like, not like, uh, not enough people are going to appreciate Shookers enough for it to actually get uh, a nomination. This but... is why, this is why, <laughs> Ben Affleck and Catherine Bigelow were snubbed that year because uh, people okay. assumed they were safe. They're like, I'll give it to something else. And that's why Ben Zeitlin was there in the end and not those two. Well, you know what? If I ever become an Academy member, I'm going to I'm going to choke you. I'm going to choke you. I'm going to think say, about it. I'm going to look at your list. I'm like, you write that down. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I'm going to I'm going to have it in mind and remember this specific podcast and be like, damn, yeah. Clayton's going to kill me if I didn't yeah. do this directly. Just know Clayton's watching you somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere Clayton's is just making sure you're making the right decisions. That's, you you do make a great point that if we were Academy voters, I hope we would consider it. But uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, okay, to, to put a wrap on it and, and to spin things positively, I, the last question I want to ask for all of us just to, to, to put it all together is what's the one, or if you have more than one, what's the most satisfying win of the night to you? What's the one that you're proudest or happiest of? Um, I mean, I said going into the night, I said if Regina King and Spider-Man walked out with Oscars in hand, I don't care what else happened. And it happened, so I'm going to stick to to that. But... Even though it's heartbreaking, I mean, just devastating that Glenn Close is 0 for 7. And I was looking forward to her just becoming an Academy Award winner. I, and I think most of the film critic community, felt that we were okay with her winning, but we knew that Olivia Coleman deserved to win. Mm. And that happened. Mm. And that was, it's sad. It was the most conflicting feeling I think I've ever felt in an Oscar <laughs> win in my life. I have never been both devastated and just ecstatic for something, yeah. something to happen at the same time. It was crazy. But I think Regina King winning was just too beautiful to like not acknowledge over and over for the rest of my life. Yeah, and I I, I was in an airplane during the show. So I, I was oh. kind of like, I know. What? It's a whole thing. But um, <laughs> yeah. I was, but I had the internet, so I was watching okay. film Twitter mm-hmm. and clips, and I, I basically saw, watched it. I mean, yeah. Um, the only thing I missed live was the Lady Gaga performance, which I watched later and was amazed by it. But yeah. um, I, I, I agree completely. It's Coleman for me because I was in the plane when I saw that come through. I fist pumped. <laughs> Um, for two reasons one i was really 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 i loved that performance i love that movie it's my favorite of the year but also because i put 25 bucks on her to win (laughs) Uh, big money big money that's what it's all about with like eight to one odds so that was pretty nice um the uh the but that said spike lee winning is momentous and i i don't i think it's lost on quite a lot of people how important that is because it wasn't best director like people don't understand that you know for him to win an oscar as a writer is almost as 
it's probably just as important to him as winning it as a director and and his excitement was just amazing and and for Samuel Jackson to be able to read it I mean like what a great moment that was one of those truly memorable great moments in Oscars history and and I'm just so happy that he he won it for a movie that I think he cared deeply for sometimes people don't win their sort of career Oscars you know, for the movie you think represents their career that well either. Oh, oh, you're, you're speaking about the Al Pacino sense of a woman like disease. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, and listen, and to, to piggyback, Spike Lee was already making history just by being there. I think he's first of all, he's only the second black person to be nominated for both, both for all three producing, directing, and writing in the same night. He's only the uh, second. Well, I'm sorry. He's the first slash second person to be nominated in both screenplay categories. That's a black person. Barry Jenkins actually did it with him the same night uh, with Beale Street. Um, and he's only now the third uh, black person to win screenplay in history. It was just like it was so many different things that that were going on there that that was making history there. And it, it was it was Spike Lee winning was totally awesome. It was it was great, and his reaction to Green Book winning made it even better. Yeah, he's super pissed about it. I agree with you guys on all of those. The the two I'm happiest about are Spider Man at least winning a feature or animated feature because I would have I would have walked out so to say. And then <laughs> um and my other one that I really I was really really upset about First Man not getting the the two sound ones which I thought it deserved, but I was also very happy that it won visual effects because it won visual effects over these huge CGI movies, which generally win, and First Man won for this, like, making it feel even more real. <laughs> practical <laughs> effects, man. Practical yeah. effects came on top there, and that was yeah. crazy to see. Yeah, that and was, also, was It also drives home that, like, Marvel just cannot catch a break in visual effects. Like, cannot. The last Marvel film to win that category was Spider-Man 2, and that's the we're like, we're like, I mean, it wasn't even Marvel then. Well, but maybe they, that's, like, honestly, super... look, at, look at all these movies. They... they aren't yeah. doing much in in the way of innovating visual effects i feel like they're just yeah. kind of, I, I mean look they're beautifully made and they take painstaking effort and it's an incredible display of of quantity but like what, what that's a great example though of an award that you really do need to to get that right like you can't just be like the bohemian rhapsody best editing is most editing it's 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 not yeah. an award for quality it's an award for quantity and and sure maybe inside baseball they all knew how much the editor had a role in that movie even being watchable but was it was it really that watchable and i i think that's a discussion for another time but yeah. it, you know the the vfx category really is um a pretty subjective one i i think it's really hard yeah. to screw that up and if you just look at shiny objects and going into outer space and stuff i think you really do miss the point of an award where it's supposed to feel practical and it's supposed to feel real it's not computer it's not the cgi award it's the visual effects yeah. award and that's we, a big yeah difference. well also just to uh, uh, add to that point there was an active law large amount of the visual effects branch that was infuriated in 2015 when ex machina won visual effects because they felt as though they were just voting for their favorite movie there and not the achievement so then uh. so then they they did all these like 
active changes to like you know you know the way the bake-off works or whatever and i think that's why we we're not seeing those tiny little ex machinas anymore uh, uh or since then they were just like super like pissed about it but then the next year they did kubo and the two strings of visual effects so i guess like they're still doing some cool stuff there but um but yeah that that was an interesting point about like how visual effects is interpreted because i think there's again the clash of two academies right now and i think that's one of the categories that they're trying to you know do with <laughs> deal, deal with, with rather <laughs> yeah. um okay well is there anything else you guys want to to add at the very end or or shall we wrap for this discussion how about do either of you in your festival i don't know clayton if you do the festivals quite as much as as alex but do you have a early ex- expectation for front runner for best picture next year i mean yeah besides harriet uh, um uh i think you can walk walk i think you can get excited about harriet uh quentin tarantino's once upon a time in hollywood is pretty hotly anticipated um and then beautiful day in the neighborhood uh with tom hanks as uh mr rogers those are like the top three i think that you can get super duper excited about out. But I'm also really excited for like Greta Gerwig's Little Women. I think that's going to be uh, pretty dope. Um, Ryan Johnson has a movie, Knives Out. That, that sounds like it's going to be super great. Um, and I'm also looking forward to Downhill, which is the English remake of Force Majeure with uh, oh, yeah, Will yeah. Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, there's uh, Mike. My, my thing is like there's a lot of stuff that I would – I just have no idea. Like I want to say Ryan Johnson's Knives Out could be great enough to get it but i but you know i have to see some before i have no idea which which way it'll lean um and because I, I was gonna say well you could say star wars episode nine <laughs> yeah but also it could be it could be it could be i mean someone's gonna be pissed that i say this but it could be best picture level good or it could be just a great entertaining star wars movie and and we really have no idea especially 10 months out where it's gonna lean with seeing absolutely nothing from it yet, so it's like yeah. hard. To I mean, yeah. Alex, Alex, let me re- this, let me rephrase my question for you, Alex. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> did Did you see a movie at Sundance, like at Berlin Ale, at all these festivals that struck you as Oscar bait that that the fish, the big fish, will take? There's difference between stuff I love, I know, and I'm, stuff I don't know will be. Because like something, there's always one or two every year. I think, oh, I love this film, but it doesn't have a chance at the Oscars. And then somehow it circles around and has a chance at the Oscars. I think the favorite when I first saw it, I was like, oh, I love this film. It's fun. It's all this, but I didn't think it would end up with this many awards. That was an an example to me. I would say more on the documentary side. I've seen stuff like that, like American Factory, um, and The Edge of Democracy, and Cold Case Hammerskull. Hammerskull. Did you see? Did you see the Michael Jackson documentary? Uh, no, I didn't. But that's a HBO release. I don't think that counts for. Uh, I don't. I don't know. They're, I think they're they're talking about like how they, they may give it a theatrical run. There's like talk about like, like how, it's the same stuff that happened with like OJ Made in America. Like it was a miniseries, but like oh, right, right, they right, right, they right. did a, a movie run and then it won an Oscar for it. So yeah, I, I, just, I wonder. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I just know that I get attacked for even bringing it up. So I'm. <laughs> so you're just gonna stay quiet about it? Well, no. I, I yeah. just, it's just like it's one of those kind of like any Scientology doc where you're like, of course it makes good points and it's a great doc, but there's just immediate like it, it like 
threat from people upon mm-hmm. even just writing about it like yeah. not even saying anything good or bad and it's it's weird but um yeah. i'm i'm curious to see the michael jackson one for sure yeah all right um thanks for well, having then, me guys yeah yeah i was gonna say clayton what the last thing is where where do we find you where can we uh where do people get to you <laughs> so yeah, where do they get to me on the streets um no you can uh, <laughs> yeah. follow me at uh you can follow me at award circuit on twitter and instagram and facebook and all that stuff uh, awardcircuit.com is the site and hub hub.awardcircuit.com that's where all the predictions live and on monday the year in advance predictions will be there with all your like 100 movies that you know nothing about yet that aren't even done but we're going to speculate speculate about it anyway and we're even going to talk about gemini man which is directed by ang lee and maybe if he gets will smith an oscar one day <laughs> yeah i saw that one on the schedule i'm curious yeah you mean his you mean that he won't get an oscar for the genie yeah, uh, I mean, the blue genie, blue lives matter, you know. <laughs> oh God, uh, Aladdin just is gonna kill me. You know, you know, you know. I'm sorry, I re- I retract that. The Lion King is going to kill me. I am yeah. going to die. I think this year of the all King. the things happening this year, the one question I'm desperate to have answered is, what Why? is Hans Zimmer gonna do with the music? for the remake of a movie that he won an Oscar for. He's going to repurpose the same music. It's going to be, it's the, this is. And can he win an Oscar the, for doing the same first? Oh is this, is, this is going to be like the um, Paul Newman <laughs> playing the same <laughs> character 20 yeah. years later, color, winning an Oscar for money. It, but the reverse. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be bad. I think it's so bad. Uh, well, we'll we'll have to talk again next year. See what happens. Yeah, next year I'll I'll, I'll clue you in if I'm still alive or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just don't kill too many Oscar Oscar pun uh, Oscar voters. Yeah, I have to have. Well, a you're now talk. on the record threatening their lives. So yeah, I, listen, I do it all the time. I'm like when I'm social, I'm talking to them. I'm like, no, you're not gonna vote for that. Don't be stupid. Come on, vote for something better. You know I guess better. we're counting on you are our superhero. You're saving the yeah. world one Oscar voter at a time. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Hopefully coming soon, Glenn Close in the Sunset Boulevard remake. That's what we can get excited for if that happens. Supposedly there's a director and a writer now. So they're doing a the musical remake. And then maybe she'll get her one oh, for wow. eight. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks guys again for everything. And it was great being on with you guys. Yeah, no, thank awesome. you so much, Clay. Thank you.